So nice to be here, folk. Thank you. Um, There's a week gap, so I thought that we would do well to revise where we're up to in chapter 14 of John's Gospel. Which is very appropriate if you like church calendars, because this is the last few hours before the crucifixion. And here we are in the last few days before Easter. Uh, The scene is set um, at that last supper. Uh, They hadn't washed each other's feet. Jesus took upon him the form of a servant. He laid aside his garments and he washed their feet and he had to contest with Peter. Uh, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. And the Lord Jesus answered him in as vigorous terms. If I don't wash your feet, uh, you have no part in me. And so there was that concept of the... uh, Worldly glory view of the Messiah. They were all, they knew he was Christ. They knew he was Messiah. But they didn't really have a clue what true Messiah is, what the true king is. They had their heads all bent with worldly glory. You're never, you're going to wash my feet. You're going to be the great. And Jesus said, Either you come on board with this vision of the glory of God, which has got no external trappings, or you can have nothing to do with me, Peter. You choose. It was that harsh. It was that clear. Uh, The point is, they've been with him for nearly three years, and still, we, we don't blame them. They hadn't yet been regenerated, but their eyes were holding, they didn't really yet fully understand the things of God and Jesus' program and what he is and what he was doing among them. So Peter, he won over, he's alright, Lord, wash me. From head to foot, wash my whole body, not just my feet. And Jesus said, look, Peter, you're already washed, i just got to do your feet. Um, but there was someone else there who wouldn't be won over. Judas And Jesus extended to him another opportunity. He gave him the, the dipped morsel of bread, dipped in the fruit paste, uh, the gift to the honoured guest. And he knew what was in Judas. And he honoured him. And he loved him. There was an opportunity for him to uh, turn, even at that point. And John, who was our witness, John the Apostle, who was our witness, said... After he'd received the bread, he didn't turn like Peter. Satan entered into him. And we imagine that John must have been looking at his face and seen a change in his visage. He said, after the bread, Satan entered into him. And after that, it was done. Jesus dismissed him and said, that thou doest, do quickly. So that's where we were up to. And... And then we have a, almost a sigh, and Jesus starts again. As Judas has gone out, he starts again. And verse 31 of chapter 13, we'll just briefly be there. When Judas had gone out, Jesus began to speak. Now is the son, has the Son of Man been glorified. The last vestige of uh, carnal messianism had gone out the door. Peter had submitted himself to this concept of a spiritual glory, a glory of God, uh, not the external purple and horses, the glory of a king. Judas was gone. Now it was all clear. Now God is glorified in him. Now God is glorified. No, sorry. Now has the Son of Man been glorified. And now... God has been glorified in him and if God's been glorified in him God will glorify him in himself and glorify him at once children I'm with you only a little longer you'll look for me 
And as I said to the, Judea, to the Judeans that where I was going, they couldn't come, so I'm saying the same to you now. So this was new information to them, that they were on the brink of his departure. I'm giving you a new commandment, and we looked at that. A new commandment that you love one another. And the newness was the new community. There had never been a community of human beings attacked by faith and love to Jesus. That was the newness. There, the idea of love wasn't new. Love thy neighbor as thyself. What was new was the new community. Love one another. This community of lovers of Jesus. By this shall men know that you're my disciples. Because you've got love one for another. They'll see that. Okay. <clears throat> and I'm going to pick it up with Peter. So Simon Peter spoke up. Master, where are you going? Fair, fair question. Um, from Peter's perspective. Where I'm going, replied Jesus, you can't follow me just now. You will follow later though. Master replied, Peter, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Now this is dear Peter, who, do you remember the storm uh, and the water? And the disciples thought it was a ghost, they thought it was a phantom, and they cried out in fear. And Jesus said, it's alright, it is I. And Peter, do you remember this? This is in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew's account of the journey back from the far side where he fed the 5,000. And Peter said, Master, if it be thou, bid me come to you. Do you remember that? Jesus, I'll do anything for you, says Peter. And Jesus had come, and he climbed out of the boat, can you imagine it? And he began walking to him, and then he, he suddenly thought about the wind and the waves, and he began to think. Sorry, we shouldn't laugh, but this was the Peter that said that. I'm up for it. I'll die with you. And Jesus challenged that and said, Will you lay down your life for my sake, Peter? Before it's morning, you'll have denied me three times. Don't worry. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. To him and the others. Let not your hearts, plural, be troubled. So, that's where we are. Um, we're in that... Um, in these few hours before the crucifixion, the meal is over, Judas has gone out, Jesus had started to tell them that he's going away. Peter says, where? And he says, you can't come yet, but you will follow me later. Okay, so that's where we've gone up to. Um, Don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus continued. You believe in God, believe in me too. Or trust in God, trust me too. There's plenty of room to live in my father's house. That's where he was going. He was going back to the father. There's plenty of room for you too. There's plenty of room to live in my father's house. If that wasn't the case, I'd have told you, wouldn't I? I'm going to get a place ready for you. And if I do go and get a place ready for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you can be there where I am. These are extraordinary words. We need to hold them in our, at the forefront of our consciousness because they will explain and be explained by the things that we're going to read later on. Okay? So Jesus was going away, he was going to get a place ready for them, and then he said he was coming back and he was going to bring them to be with him, that where I am, there may you be also. So we'll always be together, guys. It was alright. It's a temporary separation. And I begged you not to think, oh, dead, death. Um, somebody said, and I like this, somebody said, we don't go to heaven to find God. <coughs> we find heaven in God. And that's what Jesus was talking about. I am I, God. I am the Father. We're going to make our abode with you. Ah, and then everything works. 
Do you like that? You don't go to heaven to find God. So listen, if you, we are deluded. We are mistaken. We need to seek the Lord. If we have this understanding in our inner man that, well, I don't really know God now, but one day, when I'm dead, then I'm going to find God. Wrong order. Yes, we will know him in a different way. We will know him as we are known, face to face but we want to know him face to face within the limits of our earthly frame today and that's what Jesus is introducing them to the entirely spiritual nature of his kingdom which is almost entirely missed by so much of modern day discussion of Christian things Uh, let's read it it's very very thrilling Actually, Master, said Thomas, okay, I will come and take you back to be with me. This is chapter 14, are you with me? Verse 3, so that you can be there where I am. And as to where I'm going, you know. And the way way you know. He told him, well, actually, Master, said Thomas to him, we don't know where you're going. (laughs) <laughs> how lovely, how amazing these young men, they felt they could speak to the Messiah like that, the king the one that they knew God was working through, and he chips in, actually we don't know what you're talking about <laughs> just beautifully intimate uh, uh, he'd already told them where he was going I'm going to the father the father's house, in another place I go to the father the Father is the place that he was going. So, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus replied, I'm the way. That was a parable. I'm the way to the Father. I'm going to the Father, I'm going to get a place ready for you, and I'm the way to get there. That's because I'm the truth that God revealed, and the life that's God communicated there's only one truth it's his being the holiness of his being the love of his being that's the only truth in the universe hey did you see we have photographed apparently scientists they had a telescope as big as the earth you realise they put they made was it five eight eight individual radio telescopes dotted across the planet to give us effectively a planet-sized virtual telescope. And you know what they saw after 20 years? Well, it took the bloke 20 years to get funding. Because they said, it's impossible, we can't do it. But they got an image of a black, a black hole. This, it was, it was the, the stuff of science fiction before, but now they've photographed one with this super-duper set up there was so much data they couldn't send it over the internet they had to store it on hundreds of hard drives and fly the hard drives to two separate computer destinations for processing to synthesize this image Uh, why am I talking about that? I can't remember Uh, ah there's there's only one truth and it's, it's him, it's his person not the things he's made that's that's a marvellous insight into the handiwork of God And in physics we start to scratch the surface of some of the mechanisms that the eternal one has used in calling the world out of nothing which is very exciting but, there's only, but it's a bit irrelevant it's not irrelevant but it's not the thing the thing is him there's only one truth it's his being it's his holiness the holiness, his love and Jesus I'm the way for you to get to the Father because I'm the truth I am God revealed that's what Jesus came to be he came to be a manifestation to, to make our human eyes see the Father all the character of God lived out in humanity perfectly hey, I wonder if that's what God intended when he made man in his own image 
Exactly, it was marred. Until Jesus came, second Adam from above, Wesley said, reinstate us in your love. We were always supposed to be a representation of God. We just got mess up. And Jesus came to show us what the true eternal God is like in human form. (laughs) Sorry. Um, That was a watch. Uh, Hallelujah. Um, And I'm the life. He's the Logos. You remember about the Logos, don't you? He said, we had it in chapter 1, that nothing was made that is made but through him. He gave life to everything. In him was life. I'm I'm alive. I communicate the Godhead to you and to you. That's why I'm the way. So in a sense, I would suggest to you that we can understand the way as a metaphor because he is truth and he is life. He is God revealed and he's God communicated. And by his revelation and by receiving what flows from him, we can come to the Father. So we're beginning to get triangulation on where Jesus was going and how to get there. So Thomas thought he didn't know anything about it, but actually it's been it had been listening. I'm going to the Father, you know where I'm going. And if you know me, you know the way. You've got to do what I'm doing. You've got to receive my testimony. You've got to receive that which flows from me. I'm going to the Father and I'm going to ask him to send me, I'm going to ask him to give you another support. You're going to receive this. Okay, let's read on. So, poor old Thomas, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? I'm the way, replied Jesus. And the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father. That's the destination. We don't find God in heaven. We find heaven in God. We've, he is our destination. We've got to find Him. And then everything gets sorted out. If, we if that's not right, nothing is sorted out. Not the best set of circumstances in the world will be enough. We must have Him. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know Him. You've seen Him. The Lord Jesus had been sharing with them new things. This, uh, the, the, the washing of their feet from now on perhaps it was that perhaps after the things that were said during that evening he talked about the love that they were to have one for another from now on you from now on you do know him you've seen him is there anything un- Example, anything unmanifested about the Father that Jesus hadn't shown them. So Philip speaks up. I just want to say something about this seeing God. Do you remember in, in Matthew 5, uh, the pure in heart shall see God? But we also read that no man can see God and live. Moses and Elijah. They were granted the privilege in part of seeing God. But do you understand where we're going with that? And here's Jesus talking about you've seen the Father. Are you what is what's going on? They knew that that was the ultimate privilege and it wasn't granted to anyone. Moses saw his hind apart. Moses went up to Sinai, he couldn't see God. God came, he spoke to him out of the mountain, he spoke to him in a cloud. So he wouldn't have to see him. Because no man can see God and live. It's his holiness. But the pure in heart... Ah! The pure in heart, they're immune. Not immune, but they're... They're alright. The fire that burns in him has been planted in the pure in heart. Jesus said that. I'm only quoting... (laughs) Um, God save us from doing anything but trying to uh, repeat and be faithful to what Jesus said. 
we don't want to get a line going or a line of doctrine or a line of something exciting forget all that we just need to focus on to concentrate on being faithful to Jesus so that his word should be declared you shall be witnesses unto me he said that's it all the rest of it leave outside the door go and talk with it talk with someone else about it <laughs> among us we want to be faithful to the Lord Jesus uh, <clears throat> so he said blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God in contrast to the history of Israel where God could never be seen they didn't even know his name how to pronounce it we have a we anglicise it to Jehovah there's just a series of syllables alright so have a, have a listen to Isaiah prophesying about the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's Jehovah. Prepare ye the way of Jehovah. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Hmm. Have you got problems with the divinity of Jesus? He was coming, our God was coming. So that John the Baptist was preparing the way for our God. There's another um, proof, if you like, from Scripture. Make straight in the, in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight. And the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord... Sorry, I'll say that again. The glory of Jehovah shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together so we got this contrast under the old covenant you couldn't see God Jesus said when you've got a pure heart you'll see God that the great privilege to behold him uh, so with that context in mind here's Philip just show us the Father then Master this is verse 8 of chapter 14 just show us the Father then Master said Philip to Jesus and that'll be good enough for us that's it we'll have arrived nothing can shake our faith then was he thinking of some great dazzle in the atmosphere some great manifestation of glory Jesus answer you've already seen him you've been looking at him for two and a half to three years Philip verse 9 have I been with you for such a long time Philip replied Jesus and still you don't know me anyone who's seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father they look we don't, I'm sure Jesus wasn't blaming them but I think he was a bit surprised from those words he wasn't acting um, he was always true uh, it sounds as if he was a bit surprised that they hadn't really cottoned on to where he was coming from he told them often enough the things, the words that I speak are not mine I speak from the Father who told me the works that I do, they're not my works I do the things that the Father shows me <laughs> but their ears were full of wax spiritual wax, is that the thing? anyway, um, their ears were full of, were full of stuff their, their spiritual ears were full of stuff that they couldn't re- the understanding couldn't really penetrate their hearts but the real fact was that in living with Jesus for those two and a half to three years They'd seen God's holiness. They'd seen his love. No, uh, we're not talking about a great blast of glory in the atmosphere. That wasn't it. You understand what their their expectation and the reality were still a bit polarised. Okay. So he gives some instruction. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? I've been telling you that the things I'm speaking, they're his words. I've been telling you the things I'm doing aren't mine. They're his works. I'm just doing as he says. The penny really hadn't dropped. (laughs) Um, 
Don't you believe? The words I'm speaking to you, I'm not speaking on my own initiative. It's the Father who lives within me, who is doing his own works. The words and the works. Tick, tick, tick. At least they had a wealth of memory to reflect on. Oh yeah, all those words as they go on. All those acts, they were all the Father working in Jesus. So if they didn't understand then, and Jesus said that, the things I don't do now, you won't understand now, but you'll understand a bit later on. He said it to them a bit later down. Do you remember that? Uh, a bit further down our chapters. Okay. I'm not speaking. It's the Father. You must trust me that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. If not, then trust me because of all the things you've seen done. So all the words that we've, I've spoken, trust me that they're his. If you don't, then all the things that have been done, trust me that that's the Father working, not me. I'm telling you the solemn truth, Jesus continued. This is verse 12. Anyone who trusts in me will also do the works that I am doing. In fact, they will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Now there's a challenge, Rose. We are inclined to think the work that I'm doing, we're inclined to think of the raising of the dead, the, the giving sight to the blind, the healing of the lame, the casting out of demons, and all the um, external, notable, magnificent deeds. Are we not? And I don't know about you, though I can guess, but I confess that I have never caused any man to rise from the dead. Um, healings, not at all. I mean, we prayed for our children as they grew up, and everything we committed to the Lord, and they're alive and well. But miraculous, you understand, um, that kind of thing? No. So what was Jesus? And I suspect that for one or two of you, it may be the same. Uh, but, does that mean that we're all, does that mean that Jesus was wrong, or that we're wrong? Can I offer you a uh, reflection on the works that Jesus was doing? Uh, were those the only things he did? As a little boy, was he faithful to the Father all the time? You are supposed to answer yes. Um, <laughs> uh, in the day-to-day tasks of life, was he obedient to the Father? Yes, there were times that the Father said, look, there's this one coming, I want you to heal them. And he said, the works that I do, they're the Father's works. I do the things he shows me. But there were an awful lot of other things that weren't spectacular external signs and miracles that Jesus also did. The daily obedience. Did he take up his cross daily and deny himself daily? Yeah, that was a work of Jesus, wasn't it? He said, if you want to come after me, you've got to walk like I do. Here are, the, here are two pointers. Deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Uh, so there's... So I don't feel afflicted. I think when I was... Forget about me. Um, I don't feel that there's any contradiction there. There Certainly in the age of the apostles there were many miracles and signs and the scripture says that through the hand of Paul special signs were done. But I don't think that we need to say I am not healing the blind and raising, raising people from the dead therefore I am not believing in Jesus. I don't think that's a proper conclusion. They weren't the only works that he was doing. And the current of the works that he was doing could be described as daily obedience to the Father. Now that is open for you and me. It may not be that many of us will engage in miracles. It may not be that the Father... Remember who it starts with? Because if they were works of Jesus, they started with the Father. And it was the Father working in him. To say, do these things. I do only the things that the Father shows me. And it may be that the Father doesn't show you and me to do those things. Alright? Let's not make um, a false 
precept for ourselves. But if we could, if we cast it in this way, that the works that Jesus did, both both miraculous and ordinary, were of the same nature. They were the nature of faith and obedience to the Father. Then that counts us in. And if the Father wants to lead us and to show us to do a miraculous thing, then Amen. But don't get uh, painted into a corner by carnal logic. Yeah? Now, so that's the first observation I wanted to make there. Um, Because we know that Jesus isn't wrong, and we don't believe that all the Christians on the earth are just not fulfilling what he said. At least I don't believe that. I think that we need to take a a wider view um, of the works that I'm doing. You can walk in obedience too. You can walk to please the Father. Chap asked me, why do you do this, John? Brother? Well, he didn't actually say brother. He said Barclay. And I think I've been... Anyway... You and I can have the same motivation as Jesus. I said, I said, to please the Father. So what's your aim? Why are you doing it? To please the Father. And you and I can have, go about our daily duties, whatever they be, um, with the same disposition, so that we're doing the same works as Jesus, to please the Father. Hmm. Now, this one, I would like to... I'd like to go on. And he see he stepped and greater works. So I don't want to limit that to say that miracles can't be done, but just remember who miracles start with. In Jesus' case, they started with the Father. Alright? So don't beat yourself up that you're not working miracles. That's got nothing to do with it. Miracles of Jesus were the works that the Father showed him to do. And some of the people that believed did those sorts of things. Some of them are doing them today. Uh, you understand. And then he goes on to say, whoops, here we go, we're in verse 12, verse 13, and great, verse 12, in fact, they will do greater works than these. Greater? But he has just been talking about us not needing to beat ourselves up about the, neat, the, the evidence of lots of miracles. And now you're going to say, greater works than these? The next phrase is, because I go to my Father. Does that put you in mind of anything? Yes, it does. Chapter, chapter 7, verse 39. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember? Go back to it. Chapter 7, verse 39. That's chapter 6. That's not going to be helpful in this point. So, the last day of the feast, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up, if anyone is thirsty, they should come to me and drink. Anyone who believes in me will have rivers of water flowing out of their heart, just like the Bible says. 39. John's commentary. He said this about the Spirit which people who believed in him were about to receive. The Spirit wasn't given yet because Jesus was not yet glorified. That, I put it to you, is the explanation, is the proper understanding of those words in chapter 14. The greater works that are now available aren't greater in terms of, they're of another order. Not miracles on this level, but miracles on another level. That by the word of the saints of God, the Holy Ghost will enter their heart and they'll be born of God. They'll receive the Spirit. That was a work that was not available to Jesus. He couldn't do that. He's left that. He's left that for him to do in the age of the church. So that by the word of our testimony, hearts should be open and Jesus should do that job. It's still Jesus doing it, but through the instrumentality of the testimony of his word because the Holy Ghost is now given because Jesus has been glorified he's gone back to the Father 
I just want to reiterate with you something that I try and say well I don't try and say it, something I say very often that the Father in chapter 2 we read in, in was it chapter 1 of our gospel this one when John the Baptist was baptising he said that he who sent me to baptise with water said do you remember what he said? so John the Baptist was talking about God who had sent him to baptise with water he said he was giving this testimony about Jesus that the one on whom you see the Holy Ghost descending as a dove and what did he say? he it is who baptises in the Holy Ghost so when the father was talking to John about his work he didn't say to him now the one on on whom you see the Holy Ghost descending and remaining he's the one that forgives sins he didn't say that he the father characterises he characterised to John the work of Jesus as he alone who takes hold of a man and a woman and dips them in God the Holy Ghost dip it was a dyer's word the word dip Uh, it's Jesus that is the baptizer Uh, but part of the instrumentality is the word of our testimony that's why he said you should be witnesses to me Okay, so we need to press on and whatsoever you ask in my name actually I'm asking as if I'm Jesus father well that puts out most of what people not most, many many things that people ask for because Jesus has got no interest in us buying or driving a Rolls Royce oh God please give me a Rolls Royce please give me great wealth and that's not in the name of Jesus it's just you articulating your wish list don't call it prayer if you ask in my name as if you ask in as if you are Jesus ask the things that he is asking for asking as his representative well that cuts out an awful lot of hot air that gets sorry, a lot of, awful lot of hot air stuff that people bang on about doesn't it? Um, so we, I mean for us to ask in his name we need to be tutored and in tune with him, what is it the Lord wants in this situation, and when we understand his will then we can articulate his will and ask, and ask for that not I am a religious person and I'm going to ask God to do this, this, this and this and this because that's what I think is a good idea that's not asking in his name so again we can let ourselves off the hook well I prayed for rain and it didn't happen well was it really the father's will that you were articulating was you really being Jesus mouthpiece were you asking as if you were him because he'd shown you that's what he's doing do you, do you understand it's not a get out it's just reality um, okay so just so you don't have to anyway and whatsoever you ask in my name as my representative I will do it so that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask anything in my name I will do it in other words if you love me he went on you will keep my commands I just like to say I'm tired of sitting in I would like to say that I'm tired of hearing people tell me that Christians can never do the right thing all we can ever do is sin that's what it boils down to Jesus said that before you're a Christian if you love me keep my commands that's a condition for the next verse and verse 16 I will ask the Father and he will give you another support to be with you forever the word there is 
paraclete. The old version is comforter. Remember those hymns? The comforter has come, the comforter has come, the Holy Ghost from heaven, the Father's promise given. You don't sing that one? <laughs> no. Okay. Many years. Okay. So the comforter, the word is paraclete. Well, it's a good hymn. Um, the, the word is paraclete, paraclesos. It's the legal word. We all know this, I think, by now. The one called alongside. So if the bloke is in the dock being accused, then there's somebody come along, called alongside to support him and to help him. Alright? So you can translate it comforter, you can translate it support. We have here helper. If you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father. So we've got to get over this thing, well, I love the Lord, but I actually do my own thing. It's not loving God, sorry. If you love me, you'll keep my commands, and in that circumstance, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. Another helper. To be with you forever. I'm going away. If you love me, keep my commands, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Jesus had been a helper to them. He had been their advocate. He had been their paraclete, their support in weakness. He'd helped them. In affliction, he had counseled them. In problem, he'd comforted them he'd been there for them ask the father he'll give you another one who will abide with you forever you'll never be left alone we're going to go on this other helper is the spirit of truth he will be another and he will be with you forever this other helper is the spirit of truth the world can't receive him who is the world well all those jews that have been around rejecting jesus they can't receive him why because it doesn't see him or know him the world they didn't see him they didn't know him. when jesus was there testifying the words of god and working the works of god they said he has a devil They didn't receive his testimony. They didn't see truth in Jesus. Did they? They rejected it. They didn't know him. They didn't know him. They didn't see him. The disciples? Completely different. When Jesus opened his mouth, he said, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. They submitted their hearts to him. They received him. True? And Jesus makes that difference. The world can't receive him. Because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him. Because he lives with you. And he will be in you. And all the time that Jesus has been there speaking to them. um, And being with them. What had emanated from him was the spirit of truth. Jesus lived in the spirit of truth. So everything he spoke was the spirit of truth coming out of his mouth. One lot said, he's got a devil. And and the disciples said, Lord, thou hast the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? The distinction. So you know him. Everything everything he did, all his works were emanations of the spirit of truth. They were the move of the spirit of truth in Jesus' soul. And they came out of him and the disciples received him. And so he said, you know him. They might not have known they knew him, but they knew him. By living with Jesus, they they knew and received him and submitted to him. He said, you know him because he lives with you. Yeah? Okay. And the last part. And he shall be in you. Oh. Did you hear that nuance? You know him because he's with you. Everywhere you've been with me, he's been, uh, you've been in his presence. He's been working with you. But there'll come a time, in a moment, in the very near future, Jesus said, when he'll be in you. Have we got time we finish? 
the book goes on for a long time. Um, I've, I've, I've forgotten when we started. Should we go on for a little bit further? Let's see where, if we can find somewhere to stop. So that's really important um, for human souls coming under the influence of God. The Holy Ghost is with them. But we've got to make that transition from God being with me, talking to me, helping me, and God being in me. Because my spirit and my self, my I, has been handled by Jesus. He will baptize in the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to leave you bereft, verse 18. I'm coming to you. Not long from now, the world won't see me anymore. But you will see me. I'm coming back. He was coming back on the day of Pentecost. Not in glory, in the sense of the second coming, when every eye shall behold and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. No, it was a private coming to his own. The ones who were keeping his commandment and looking to him. The ones who knew the Spirit and obeyed the Spirit. That I'm coming back. Ah. Uh, I'm going to the Father to do exactly this. I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is exactly the place I'm going to prepare. I just wanted to remind you of one thing. Ephesians chapter 2. Just so we don't get stuck on the idea that... Uh, this idea of I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there may you be also is sometime in the future when we die no no not at all verse 6 of chapter 2 verse 4 but of Ephesians but when it comes to mercy God is rich he has such great love for us that he took us at the very point where we were dead through our offences and made us alive together with the king yes You're saved by sheer grace. He raised us up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in King Jesus. Alright? That's that's already happened, says Paul in Ephesians. He's raised us up and made us sit in the heavenly places. I've gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, there shall you be also. You, you're following the idea. In the, in the king. The point is, Christianity is this spiritual alteration, or it's nothing. Look, the Jews had forgiveness of sin. They, had, um, they enjoyed all the blessings of creation, people who don't love God enjoy all the blessings of creation but Christianity is about this spiritual alteration where once we were simply limited to being with God to he shall be in you we must submit ourselves to the ministry of Jesus and allow him to take our lives and allow him to be the baptizer and to dip us into God so that we are raised up to be with him. And our life can then make sense. Nothing makes sense. The world is a crazy nonsense place. Unless it's uh, lived out in communion with the Father. In fellowship with Jesus. And then it all makes sense. Um, we have a, in, an instant purpose that makes sense. I, I live to please God, we can say Finally, all the, all the challenges mean something. All the things that are disappointing, it all means something. Lord, I accept all these things. I am to be faithful to you and bear my testimony to Jesus in the midst of all these contradictions and all these challenges. My life has purpose. Oh, the same purpose as Jesus had. He lived to please the Father. Oh, is that why the Bible calls him the firstborn among many brethren? Yeah. He wants us to walk like him. He wants us to be part of his new humanity. Blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah, he wants to give us a new, clean heart. How can I get one of those? Just submit to his ministry. Submit to his handling the baptism in the Spirit. 
the, the, the disciples had gone through the preparation. They'd gone through and they'd listened to the word of God. They'd, li- they'd received the emanation of the Holy Ghost from Jesus' lips, from his works. They said, yes, yes. That was the preparation. That's why they could receive him. The world couldn't receive him because they rejected him. That, that he's crackers. Oh, he's got a devil. Or we won't have it. They couldn't receive him. We've got to qualify to receive the Holy Ghost. Sorry, I didn't make it up. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father. And he will give you another comfort. It will abide with you forever. We better stop. We ought to read the next verse and then stop. Why don't we do this? Why don't we read three verses without speaking about them and then stop? Right? About 89, 40 seconds. I'm not going to leave you orphans or comfortless or bereft. I'm coming to you. Not long from now, the world won't see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you know that I'm in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Anyone who has my commandments and keeps them, that's the person who loves me. Anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and show myself to them. There's so much that we could say. Come on, should we just pray for a few moments? Um, Our time's gone. Lord, we sang earlier, uh, show me who you are. I can't quite remember the words. And we open our hearts to you, Father, and say, reveal yourselves to us afresh. Lord, that we should be refreshed. Lord, make those of us who need it new. Lord, make us all refreshed so that we, O oh Lord, should bear our testimony and say, God's like this. O oh Father, in our small way, that we should bear the testimony of Jesus. According to your word, you shall be witnesses to me. Lord, grant that we should know you. Lord, let your self, your love, your holiness, your being be revealed to us and in us. Lord, that your name should be glorified. That there should be glory to God in our generation. That your name should be magnified and celebrated among the saints and that they should look on and say, God's with them of a truth. Our Father, we worship you and Thank you for our fellowship this afternoon. Thank you for the privilege of being with one another and listening and desiring to listen to the words of Jesus. Lord, let them have fruit among us and among others. Amen.